A great long-time friend of mine told me the shocking news uh, just under two years ago that at age 35, with three young kids and a wife, he had cancer. And it didn't look very good at all for him. Twelve months later, after being pushed from pillar to post and finally just about to begin chemo, it had been delayed for various reasons and he wasn't well at all, um, they told him all the cancer was gone, all of a sudden. And uh, he'd been healed. I was preaching at uh, his church camp last year and near Richmond, and I got out there early in the morning and said, how are you doing, brother? And he said, the test had come back and it is gone. It's gone. Our God still heals. Our God still heals. He answers prayer in his own time, he moves in supernatural, extraordinary ways in his own time. The challenge of the local church, amidst the confusion of waiting patiently when God doesn't seem to act, and our ever-increasing medical understanding of the human body, the challenge for the church, I think, is to continue to see with eyes of faith, don't you reckon? The eyes of the heart that have been enlightened by the revelation of the Spirit of God to see with faith-filled 2020 vision, to see a God-saturated spiritual gift-impacted future where captives are set free, where the lame still can walk, where the deaf hear and the blind see, where forgiveness can be granted, where relationships are restored, where generosity is embraced and rebels are rehabilitated by the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? Our God still heals. He heals hearts and minds and bodies and relationships and families and communities and churches. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. We're just going to wander through this text. So I guess let's get ready to do some work. I hope you've got the Bible somewhere nearby. Verse 1 begins, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? People want life to be fair, don't they? 2,000 years ago, right now, we want life to be fair. And when life's fair, you get to blame someone. You get to blame someone for things that go wrong. At least that's what we tend to think means fair. It's really the idea of karma, isn't it, that we're talking about? If you're suffering, then someone did something wrong, either you or someone in your family. And this idea, it's alive and well today. It was certainly in the first century as well. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Things happen, Jesus says, so that the sovereignty of God can be displayed. Things happen which we cannot comprehend, yet God is sovereignly working all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Have you found that life is chaotic at times? different seasons of life life is chaotic sometimes it seems random there's a randomness about life but you know the bible shows us clearly that god creates out of chaos 
doesn't he? That's what he does. He, he creates out of chaos. Genesis 1 is the story of the creator God bringing order and creation out of what looked like chaos. I think it is completely true to say life in various seasons is hectic, unpredictable, unsafe, unfair, chaotic, and yet God creates good out of the chaos. Anyone find themselves in chaos right now? Just a wee bit. Lucky it's not a lot. (laughs) Yeah, some of us can relate. Life is chaos right now. Well, I want to tell you, uh, encourage you in Jesus' name. Our God specializes in bringing creation out of the chaos. That's what he does. He creates order and wonder in the midst of chaos. The man in our story has suffered blindness in the wisdom of God for the glory of God to be revealed. That's Jesus' answer. So we just talked about it with Karen, but we're moving towards the beginning of a new season of ministry as a church. We're certainly believing for that and we're calling it the first 1,000 days. I'm somewhat intrigued, I really am, by the fact that we have several people in our church right now who strongly believe in the miraculous power of God to heal now in the 21st century. Uh, We all know most Christians say they believe that. Most Christians say, well, God can do anything. But I've found that not every Christian is actually (laughs) believing for it in their daily journey. And so what I'm fascinated and just totally interested in because it's it's probably the most important thing for our future, is I'm just looking around who God is bringing to us and who we are. Because it's God's grace who's gone before us. He's at work. He's a mad professor stirring this community called Northern Life. You could have an idea what we want to see happen, and I could have an idea as a pastor, but it is God who is bringing together the collective And as I look, I say, why are there this bunch of people who are nutters that God can still heal? And we can try to be as wise as we like and say to them, there, 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 there. They say, no, I'm going to Jesus, Dr. Jesus. And so I say, God, what are you doing in that? We have these intercessors in our church who are just madly fighting spiritual warfare prayers constantly they're doing it all night sometimes i mean what are you doing lord i i want to believe that god wants to bring strong manifestations of his healing power by his grace for his glory that we could all just point to him and go none of us did that we're just a little conservative church hornsby baps with a polished up new name northern life but god doesn't care at all about what we look like on the outside we will have a brand new church and that'll all be fun but he's looking for people who believe amen he's looking for people who are like lord would you do something amongst us that would bring you glory maybe your life and your suffering right now will be part of the testimony of this church to the power of god to transform lives I wonder. I wonder if you're a blind woman or a blind man ready to get healed. 
because God wants to do it to reveal his power. Verse 4 says, As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. These are the words of Jesus. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus had a window of opportunity while he was walking around on earth, pre his atoning death on the cross and resurrection. Of course, his work continues. Of course, his work continues. And his greatest work was dying and rising again. But he talks as though there is this period of time that he has stuff that he needs to do. And I think he's also saying to this beginning church, his disciples, there's a time where you will have such intense persecution that you'll have to batten down the hatches. But I think he's saying, church, you need to realize when there's an opportunity to do ministry and mission, you've got to do it. It's not that the Spirit doesn't do work under persecution, but we talk about it with Scripture in schools, don't we? It's an opportunity we have that we don't want to miss. Other times... We have to wait patiently. I think we're coming into a window of opportunity of fruitfulness. So why is it, how is it that Jesus has come in contact with this blind man in this story who needs a miracle? The answer is simple. It's because Jesus is obediently walking in his sentness, isn't he? He's on mission. That's why the mission of Jesus, his obedient moving in the direction that the Father told him to walk, happens to put him into close proximity with the sinful and the hurting and the broken in need of a saviour. So it goes without saying, if we're the body of Christ, God is calling us to relational proximity with people. Who is it that God has put you close enough to that you're rubbing shoulders in the cubicle next door at work or the neighbour next door or the cash register person you see regularly. Who is it? Is it your children, your grandchildren, your grandmother? Who is it that God is putting you next to so that you're close enough to be the agent of transformation because that's what the body of Christ does? Jesus is right there close. He's on mission and he bumps into this blind man. And verse 6 says, After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sense. It's a good question that we're probably all asking. Maybe you've got an answer. Why on earth did he do that? (laughs) Why on earth did he spit on the ground and make mud and put mud on someone's eyes? Tony asked me this early in the week and I said, I'm not sure. But as I reflected on it more, what came to me and I tried to dig around and find some thoughts on it, the best I thought that I I found is he's the creator who breathed life into clay, into dust. And what a beautiful picture of the one who breathed life into Adam, the first man, the first human, to take spit his word from where the word came from and spit on the ground and (coughs) create some clay. Like Isaiah says, we are fashioned from clay. The potter's up there where the clay. And here's the potter walking around on earth going, you want some new eyes? I fashioned those eyes. I can fix them. Let's just remind you, put some clay on there and remind you I'm the potter and you're the clay. Hallelujah. Who feels like a piece of clay needing a potter to shape them? That's our story. What a wonderful picture. And the, the potter does something here. 
What's evident is the man needs to respond in obedience to receive the miracle. The man is told to go to the pool of Siloam, which happens to mean scent. We're picking up on the vibe, aren't we? It's in the scentness that we see God at work. Jesus is on a mission. And even the bloke who needs to receive the miracle is invited to step out already right at the beginning of his journey walking with the master. He doesn't know what he's doing or who Jesus is really, but he does what he's told to do and he comes home seeing. Have you ever seen those YouTube videos of the little kid that hears for the first time or... They see colour for the first time. It's hard to watch. You're a stony-hearted person if you can watch that and not crack a tear. Because it's so moving to have a child never hear and then suddenly they can hear because of the wonder of medicine. But here we have a blind man who lived in darkness all his life. Physical darkness. can only see darkness. He's blind and then Jesus gives him sight. Interesting thing is that we're not told that anything has changed on the outside. The community probably saw the blind man and thought, there's the blind man. There's the blind man. He's, he's the blind man. He's, that's his identity. He's the blind man. But the blind man can see at that stage. The blind man can see, and I think maybe some of us are here today and we're in the middle of God doing a work in our heart, the eyes of our heart, and no one else knows, but God is actually giving you sight. You look like the blind woman, the blind man, but you can see. Ephesians 1.8 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Other people around you right now may have no idea. But I want to encourage you in Jesus' name, keep moving. Keep moving towards the one who's giving you sight. Keep walking towards Jesus with that new sight. Verse 8 says, His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he looks and he looks like him. But he insisted, I am the man. Have you found in your life or in the life of others that when God does a work of transformation, it takes a while for others to recognize it's happened? Especially if you're in a community where you've been honest about the junk of your life. You, you know, I used to be this person. And others look at you and they keep judging you as that person. But you know, God's done a work. And sometimes you get caught up in the old identity. God has done a work in this blind man. And it takes a while to stop listening to the other voices, doesn't it? The voices of family, the voices of our internal identity, maybe the voice of the enemy that says, you're that blind man. You're the inferior one. You're the one who is less than, because that's the identity that some of us have carried. You are less than, just like the blind man is less than a normal man. But this blind man can see. 
Who needs to find a new identity? Who, who has a work going on in their heart, in their character, and others aren't sure it's happened yet, just like this community go, yeah, that's just the blind man, but God is doing a work, and we need to hold on to that, that we're starting to learn to see the world differently. If we could have a vision of a brave, healthy, faithful, and fruitful local church, I think it's a church that ministers in the power of word, sign, and deed, that the blind might see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. And you know what? That would be great if it was physically. But I know many of us are expecting that that would happen even more powerfully than physically. Amen? That people literally would learn to see the way the world is through spiritual truth. Eyes that have been opened. Blind people seeing the Saviour, hearing the Saviour and having feet fitted with the gospel that comes from knowing the Saviour. 2020 vision. How then we rise open, they asked in verse 10. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know. Sometimes the, the mission of Christ manifest in us and through the body of Christ, which is us, involves us doing things that are a little strange. Have you found that ever? Like if we are the body of Christ, Jesus had to do something that was a bit strange. And sometimes we are called to do things that are a little bit like putting mud on someone's eyes. The Spirit may ask you to do something in these thousand brave days. I wonder what that might be. He may say, go and talk to that person. I told Jesus to put the mud on the guy's eyes. It's not as crazy as that. But the Spirit might say, you are the body of Christ. I need you to do something right now as you're on mission. Let's go. Go and hear that person's story. Just stop talking and listen and you'll find out what to do next. And we say back, I'm slow of speech and slow of ear. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I won't do it. And God says, okay, I'll be with you. Go on. Go and do it. That's what needs to happen. He might give you a word of knowledge for someone. Ever had a word of knowledge? It's very normal. You just have a hunch about something that might be true about the person. And you can in a very humble way say, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like this is this sense that God wants to me to say this to you. Does that mean anything? Might be God wants to you to give a person some money. You ever responded to God when you have this nudge that says, go and give that person some money? And how wonderful it is for them to tell you, I was praying this morning that God would give me something. In fact, the exact amount you just gave me. And then two people are bolstered in their belief. Amen? But it only happens when people go, you know what? My church has a core value. It says, God speaks, we listen. <laughs> and we thought we'd just start doing it more. <laughs> if God speaks, I'm going to try to respond because that's what mission is all about. So what is God saying to you right now? What, what is it? He's saying to you, where's your place in a thousand brave days? The Pharisees investigate the healing. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. Mean and nasty. Why is it the religious people always become mean and nasty over time? It doesn't make you sweet. The religious spirit, have you noticed this? It doesn't make people sweet and aromatic. It makes them mean and nasty. This guy's been blind his whole life. His whole life. And the religious leaders complained that he was healed of his blindness on the Sabbath when no work could be done and they said that making some mud was work. You know, the weird thing is the Pharisees, they are actually the religious elite. They, they, they take it seriously. They want to serve God. They want to protect what is true and good and right and orthodox. But they don't recognize the fingerprints of the God they say they worship. They don't recognize when he's there amongst them doing amazing things. Seems that the religious spirit throughout the centuries is enamored by rules and external conformity to outward behaviors. What do you reckon? It's a trap. It seems that we have a bent as human beings. To, if we get a bunch of rules, and I'm on the in crowd because we love tribalism. It's just that's what the world runs on, right? Tribalism. If I'm in and I can say, I'm me, I'm with us, we are this and you are them. It seems like that tribalism bent in a human seems to trump everything else. Who agrees? Like it, it really does. It trumps everything and it's wrong. These Pharisees are like, whatever, you might be healed, but we are enamored by rules and external conformity to outward behavior. And I just want to encourage us that we would not be like that. That we would hear Jesus' words to us, not so with you. Whatever rules we come up with for the future of our church that are not straight out holy living course the bible gives us rules and jesus says he wants us to be holy but we're called as a church to hold together as jesus did grace and truth mercy and justice kiss love and righteousness have been eternally revealed in christ and that's our goal isn't it we want to hold the two together yes we're called to holiness and light but we're we're grace-filled and, 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 and loving to people who need to know a saviour. The religious spirit is alive and well. It'll grab hold of part of our church if we're not careful. Enamoured with external rules. Verse 18 says, They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until it was sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? <clears throat> Verse 20, we, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but now he can see, or who, 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 how he can see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this, the text says, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. A second time they summoned the man who'd been blind, said, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
I think when I read that portion of scripture, it, it, it's a challenge to us as a church that once we get going and we do more and more ministry, we're going to minister in the name of Jesus and we'll see people healed. You know, we'll see people benefited by the love of Jesus through us. But it seems to me that this blind man just hasn't understood who's done it. He doesn't understand what is going on. We want to make sure that we clearly communicate the gospel in all the good works we do. Amen. The gospel, which is really who God is, what he's done, who we are by faith in God in Jesus. And what is our role as the church? Let's clearly communicate what the gospel is so that people know who has healed them and whose name it is. The Pharisees continue, verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? Did he open, how did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? He's a cheeky bloke. Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are his fellows, this fellow's disciples. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now th- that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin, at, uh, in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? Again, it's this us and them mentality. It's just stuff happens in, in life. We don't understand it. So we grab our camps and start throwing abuse at one another. It seems the way of humanity. May that not be the way we go as a church as God does things in our midst that we don't quite understand, let's have a, an attitude of grace and respect and listening ears. So it's been quite a day for the blind man. He still doesn't know quite what happened to him. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? It's a big day, isn't it, for the blind man? And now it's all going to come to fruition or, or to focus. Who is the son of man, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Poor bloke. (laughs) He just doesn't quite know what's going on. She said, you've now seen him. You couldn't see him before, but I've fixed your eyes. You've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. The man goes, oh, (laughs) Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Isn't it gold? It's just a gold story. It's just such a fantastic encounter. I think it's a picture for us of mission for our future. You've got Jesus initiating an interaction with a stranger. How? Why? Because he has proximity to people. He's there. Jesus finds out what the man's issue is. He's blind. That's what we need to do. Listen, find out, help out. It's one of our core values. Jesus gives an invitation to faith and obedience. Go to the pool with the mud. And then a miracle occurs. Heaven is made manifest on earth 
supernatural transformation happens. And then there are these responses that vary. There's an encounter with the power of God, but there are different responses, and you can see them on the screen there. I think some of the responses are what? Unbelief. We could have that, religious leaders. Or disbelief, the man's family. They're they're sort of not necessarily unbelievers, but they're just not sure. They're just, the, the, the jaw is still dropped. And then ultimately, belief. For the blind man, which takes a while for it to come into focus. It's a common theme, this idea of slowly coming into focus when you look at Scripture. John the Baptist's father may be blind for a while and then come into focus. The focus comes with belief. Saul was blind for a while and then comes into, as Paul, his his vision is returned. I want to encourage us today, may we have 2020 vision as a church as we enter the year 2020. By God's grace, may we not fear having proximity to people. As we have relational proximity, let's listen and understand. And where the opportunity arises, may we by grace share boldly what we know is true. Share the invitation of gospel good news. And you know what? Be also open to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and call people to belief in the Savior. So as we finish up, which, which character in the story do you relate to? Is the blind man's parents right now? You're watching as other family members or friends experience transformation, but you're not sure sure what it means. You're sort of on the edge looking in. Do you relate to being one of the religious people? Just find it hard to accept supernatural transformation could be happening in your neat world of Christianity. Do you relate to the blind man fumbling around with an experience of God, you're not quite sure what to make of it, and you're starting to understand the truth, the revelation's starting to come into focus. Or I hope some of us actually relate with Jesus. You actually hear that story and you go, you know what, I, I relate to Jesus because we're part of his body. And you know, I long to do exactly the sort of work that he is doing, and we're called to be his body, the body of Jesus, of Christ on earth. Maybe you're filled with his spirit, and you have giftedness and passion and you, you have the truth of the gospel in your heart and you're just like, Lord, I want to be part of you bringing sight to people who can't see the world the way they should see. I don't know who you can relate to. Our God still heals. Amen? Do you believe that? Well, our prayer for a thousand brave days is that we will see the Lord move supernaturally and bring radical transformation. Anyone ever been healed at a church service? Can I ask you to put your hand up? Put your hand up if, you, if you've been at, at a church service. Look around. There's hardly a hand raised. What do you reckon's going on? I don't know. I wonder. Yeah, absolutely, John. I'm not suggesting this is the only place. But there's two hands, or three hands that are up. And we're the people of God meeting in his name on the Lord's day, the day that he rose from the dead. 
you may not believe that, but I'm hearing loud and clear Jesus saying, you receive not because you ask not. We've got to ask. We've got to ask. So to that end, we have some oil here today, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song that is the truth, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. And some of our people, at least uh, Richard, is going to be up the back with some oil. And we're told in James 5, if you, if you need help, you need healing, get the elders together and anoint the sick with, with oil. A bit before that it says confess your sins to one another. But just up the back we've created a bit of space. If you would like to respond as a modern day blind man and you just like some prayer for healing whatever that is you don't have to go into too much detail at all in fact you don't have to go into any detail but if you'd like to go up the back and be prayed for right now not at the end right now they'll uh, anoint you with oil and uh, we trust the lord to do a work so would you stand together lord god we give you all the glory today for the wonder of your word lord jesus Wow, you're amazing. And we know that you're alive at the right hand of the Father, reigning and ruling, and we are your body. And you've called us to go out and minister in your name. And it's our great joy to meet together as your church. And we ask, Lord, would you make manifest here amongst us the gifts of the Spirit that would be required to see people healed. For the common good, may you make manifest whatever gifts and power we need, because, Lord, we don't want to just look to the medical profession, though we appreciate them so much. Lord, would you please powerfully work in our midst and heal? Would you open blind eyes that our hearts might see the truth? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.